The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast, where I am joined by Lauren Gunn. She's back, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello. Oh, God. Hello, hello. This How season. are you? This NBA season is becoming so exhausting. It is so hard to keep up. And I just, it yeah. is just one day after another. Every day, there's something. Every day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. And and look, there was a lot of great basketball over the weekend. Suns Mavericks was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Lakers Warriors was great. The uh, Obviously, the game that we talked about, the Knicks Celtics. Actually, sorry, we haven't talked about that yet for you listeners we will be getting to that in a couple of minutes uh we had a knicks beat reporter on the podcast you will be able to listen to him in like literally five or ten minutes so just bear with us for a second but the the story that really caught everybody's attention it was discussed ad nauseum uh maybe not ad nauseum but but it was discussed a ton over the weekend was john moran Mm -hmm. uh he has been quote-unquote uh suspended if you will sham Stranius said suspended others said they he's he's away from the team but he is going to be away from the memphis grizzlies for at least a couple of games mm-hmm. uh after he was on ig live uh in a gentleman's club if you will brandishing a gun uh and obviously this is serious the nba is taking it seriously the memphis grizzlies from what we've seen has are, are taking it seriously uh john morant himself uh, released a statement saying that he apologizes to the team, to the organization. Very much so one of those, you know, generic PR, PR. statements that mm-hmm. you see from a lot of teams and a lot of, yeah, right. If you work in PR, if you've done even a PR class, you'll know that is a very generic cookie cutter type of statement. I just, Lauren, I, for me, and, you know, this has mentioned been mentioned a lot. John Morant is in a situation, in a position where the on-court stuff, what he does on the basketball court, what he is as a leader, what he is to the Memphis Grizzlies, to the city of Memphis, really, is undeniable. Everything that he's done so far has been pristine. He's obviously now a Nike athlete. He has his own signature shoe. The same day that the 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 news dropped about him brandishing a gun, he actually got introduced as a Powerade athlete. So he he's going to be one of the faces of the NBA moving forward. Mm-hmm. But the off the court stuff, which hasn't got a lot of attention over the last couple of months, but there has been reports of, you know, an incident occurring between the Indiana Pacers and the Memphis Grizzlies and some of Morant's entourage is now banned from coming to Grizzlies games. There was the situation that, you know, is is still ongoing with mm-hmm. the teenager at an open basketball run. And now obviously the NBA is going to investigate that as well. But there have been multiple situations here mm-hmm. with John Morant that have been reported, and now this. So to me, it just goes back to how much are you willing to keep alive the dream that you have of being a professional basketball player and potentially being one of the greatest players in the NBA right now? 
mm-hmm. versus you know the other stuff right how do you how do you, what's your read on this situation yeah i mean i think i'm still kind of like processing and trying to understand because it to me this this situation has like there really is so much gravity and and stuff that comes with it and so um i'm still curious to see what happens with the investigation um if my brother actually sent me i didn't get a chance to see it well i mean i did see it but i didn't see it when it aired jalen rose i thought had a really really good um take and and not even a take but what he had to say on this situation if you haven't heard it uh i would encourage you to go find it because i think when there's just when you're when you have the fame and you're surrounded and you're that there's just so there's just so much that comes with the nba fame and just being some like a celebrity and in some sense there's so 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 much that goes into it Um, and I'm not, I don't mean that to be like, oh, you know, these are excuses for this behavior. I don't, I don't believe that at all, but I do think that, um, having open conversations and, and, and trying to, you know, make right on, on certain things is, is the way to go always. And so I would encourage anyone to go listen to what Jalen Rose had to say, because I thought it was, it gave some perspective that I certainly didn't have. Um, and I think it's, it, it starts the conversation. And I think that you need to kind of grow from, I think everybody kind of needs to, not everybody, but I think you, you gotta be able to take this as a, cause he mentioned John Morant is still a kid. He's still a kid. And so, I mean, he's an adult and he's fully yeah. you know responsible for his actions, but you've got to, um, you gotta, you gotta grow. You just, there's no, there's no tolerance for, for what we're seeing. And it's, it's dangerous. It's crazy. Cause just a couple of weeks ago, it was all-star weekend and they're unveiling this massive shoe. Everyone saw the ice sculpture, like all this money that Nike poured into that announcement. It was there. I was dying. It was unreal. Yeah, I've I was never trying to get that sneaker. Like it was that. hard. Yeah. It was the craziest yeah, thing. I agree. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just, I mean, I'm kind of waiting to see how this is all going to unfold. Uh, but it's, it's, you can't understate the gravity of the situation, especially when the NBA does have a massive cultural impact for setting examples to kids, to young girls, to young boys who are wanting to play the game. Um, those factors yeah. cannot be overlooked. So we'll see. I agree. I agree. And you know what? I've seen some people on Twitter use this where it's like, oh, well, he's a he's a basketball player. You know, he's not a role model. He's not supposed to you, you shouldn't be looking towards basketball players to be your role models. But I very much so disagree with that line of thinking, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, when you're in the public eye, when you're a public figure, you have a responsibility, not just to yourself, not just to your family, not just to the people that you support, but to the audience that is actually watching you. I think mm-hmm. you have that responsibility and it's it's that's what comes with fame, man. Like right. that's that's the massive weight that you have to put on your shoulders and a lot of these athletes do, a lot of these athletes do it successfully. You look at like players like LeBron James who use their platforms for good and whatnot, but then there's situations like this where a young player again, not making excuses for it, but he he is a young player probably in an impressionable situation where he's made mm-hmm. a lot of friends in the city or whatnot and now he is he is stuck in a situation where maybe his entourage like man I've, I've I'm not gonna say I've been in situations like John Morant's but I have been that impressionable kid I have been that impressionable kid in a situation sure. where I realized oh man I am not 
really supposed to be here or be mm-hmm. doing you know what i mean so like exactly personally i i i i sympathize with that aspect of things and i think jalen rose hit it right on the head where he's he's talking about look man like there have been other players that have been in your shoes that have been in your situation and don't waste your career because of this situation don't mm-hmm. and and like not to be understated and we've mentioned it a couple times now, but he is legitimately going to be one of the faces of the entire NBA. One of the faces mm-hmm. of the entire NBA. When you have that platform, when you're being you know, touted like that, you have a responsibility to yourself. You have a responsibility to your teammates. You have a responsibility to your coaches, to, your, to the organization that, that boasts you, and also to the audience that is watching you. That's just mm-hmm. truthful. Remember yep. last season or the year, the year before that where... Um, there was a kid who was crying and Morant came and, and gave him a, a signature on his jersey and then they they mm-hmm. went off. And then there was the other oh, yeah. kid who was in a Warriors jersey and then they swapped mm-hmm. it with a Morant jersey. They actually did a giveaway. The whole promotion, like these, yeah. Right, right. Understand how kids in Memphis look up to you. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so I guess that's my thing. It's like, look, you have a responsibility not just to yourself, not just to the people that are around you, but to the people who are idolizing you, there yeah. people will genuinely be idolizing John Morant as he moves forward in his career, and that's the responsibility he has to he has to keep in mind when he gets himself in trouble like this. So I really do hope it, it's this this is a wake up call in a major way for him to spark some kind of change in his life, whether it be with his crew or himself or whatever. I just hope that's the change. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Really? I, I mean, I'm yeah. I, I'm I'm with um, you there. Yeah, I, 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 we'll see. Obviously, it's an ongoing story. We'll see if the NBA decides to levy any other suspensions or if the Grizzlies end up uh, extending that suspension, if you will, if there's any fines to come, et cetera, et cetera. If there's more investigative you know, reports that come out, obviously, we'll be updating you here on the Objective Basketball Podcast as well. This obviously has a massive impact in the Western Conference standings as well, mm-hmm. whether it be you know the Grizzlies might slide a little bit with Brandon Clark missing the rest of the season. That's another huge aspect of this. Dylan Brooks being suspended for a game because of the technical foul thing. The Grizzlies are not in the greatest state right now, to say the least, and they are the second best team in the Western Conference according to records, so... We'll see what happens. We'll see how this all transpires and how this affects the team. Shams Trani had just reported that Steven Adams held a players-only meeting for the Grizzlies, and apparently a lot of his comments were directed towards Morant, towards mm-hmm. this situation. So hopefully, you know, Adams being a veteran in the locker room is that wake-up call. Hopefully yeah. that's the guy who can kind of get that message to him in a proper way. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, Steven Adams, I'm glad you brought it up because to me, Steven Adams, yes, he's a veteran, but he's also somebody that it's been in multiple different situations and he has the the reputation and the respect of a lot of people just, just because, I mean, well, not just because, but staying in the league and again, having success in different situations is not something that's easy to do and it warrants a lot of respect. So um, I'm curious to see kind of how that unfolds and if we see if we see that kind of being this moment of this team rallying together and kind of trying to, you know, overcome some adversity, or if it's something that only kind of adds to the strain and just is sort of another thing that they're having to overcome and deal with and, and ends up moving them in the wrong direction. That's, that's what I'm going to be looking at uh, over this next, these next few weeks here with the Memphis Grizzlies. 
It's always like uh, it's always like this with these young teams, man. You only need a, a couple of things to go wrong for mm-hmm. a couple of these young guys to feel differently. You know, Stephen Adams has actually been a part of a situation like that. You think of OKC, right, and where where they were at with Westbrook and Durant and Harden, and then that dissipated because oh, this guy's getting paid more than me. Oh, this guy's getting more touches than me, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I can't win with this guy. Uh, now those were all basketball related issues, right? With the Grizzlies, right. it seems to be an off court issue because it seems like the on court chemistry, everything that's happening on the basketball court is more than awesome. But the off court stuff is the question. And again, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to switch over to the Eastern Conference now, where we are talking about the New York Knickerbockers. Uh, they have been exceptional. They just won in double overtime against the Boston Celtics in what was. An incredible game, Lauren. It was exhilarating. We have our guy, Chris, jumping on right now to talk to us about the Knicks and everything related to the Madison Square Garden loving. I would love to go to a game in MSG, Me by too. the way. I haven't gone yet. Soon will. Um, but yeah, let's get into our conversation with Chris. It was a good one. Talked all things Knicks. Let's do it. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN or in Ontario, download the app using the QR code on your screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by a guest, a Knicks guest, because obviously the New York Knicks are absolutely rolling right now. This is a New York Knicks beat writer for WFUV Sports, Chris. Chris, I'm going to get the last name right. I promise you, Percy Ian. I Einan, Percy Einan. Yeah. Bang. There it is. Let's go. It 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 took a little bit, but it's okay. You know? <laughs> it, listen, every every good project requires some groundwork, you know, some foundation <laughs> setting. Uh, you know what's uh, funny? I've been where you are in, in your shoes. Someone just says like S Bebrahan. Yes. <laughs> how are you, sir? So, how you doing, man? Look, the the Knicks, uh, the Knicks are rolling right now. So, I imagine you're you're in good spirits. Winners of nine in a row. They pulled off a huge double overtime win against the Celtics last night, which was a, an excellent game to top off a Sunday that was just so many great basketball games yesterday. They're fourth. They are. They have the fourth best record in the league since January first. I guess just to start off this podcast, Nick centric. What do you think has been the main catalysts for change since the turn of the calendar? Because they've they've looked. I mean, they were good to start the season, but they've looked even better now. I think um, not to to bust your date range, but I think you got to pull a little bit less than a month out further than that okay. new year. Go to December 4th. I think that was the first day the Knicks unveiled their new look rotation. Now, I've been on the record several times as saying that I've heard from those very familiar with the situation that the front office had a big hand in those rotation changes. Um, Derek Rose, out of a Tom Thibodeau rotation, doesn't seem like something Tom Thibodeau would do voluntarily, right? So. Playing Deuce McBride, definitely a downgrade, but what he brought to the defense in terms of his ability to play Thibodeau's scheme ended up making that worth it. That ended up not mattering when the Knicks said, hey, we've got a bunch of picks in this draft anyway. We're going to trade one of these. Let's just do it now and start you know, reaping the benefits of it already. They picked up Josh Hart by coupling that pick with someone who kind of soured out of Thibodeau's favor and didn't make it in the rotation. So I think that right there is like, 
a little background theme of the Knicks front office. They're always going to fix their mistakes, but do something else while they're at it. They mm-hmm. used six second round picks to dump Burks, Noel, and Walker. They lost a seventh because of the tampering charge. Right. But <laughs> Jalen Brunson is on the Knickerbockers and has had the effect that you've seen him have this season on guys like Julius Randle, on the team as a whole. And it's been more than worth it, as many, many would agree. So, um, yeah. That's a little side note, but I think that rotation switch, the front office playing their veteran signings and then saying, hey, you know those guys that we voluntarily paid a lot of money for? They're not good at <laughs> basketball. Let's stop playing them. Um, hey, Tibbsy, you want to keep your job? You're going to do this, this, and this. And he was like, right. okay. And so because Thibodeau and Rose have such a good relationship, this is the stuff you heard writers wax poetic about like three years ago, and you all were like, uh, uh, uh. like who cares that Tibbs and Leon have a good relationship? You know, like this is just nepotism at its finest. <laughs> and then you look to like how Thibodeau's tenure exploded in Chicago because of distance between him and the front office. And you look to how Thibodeau's tenure exploded in Minnesota because he was the front office. And you look now in New York and he is tightly working with the front office that has his back. Once hmm. the team started winning games off of their rotation changes, a couple articles came out at a coincidental time that Thibodeau was doing a fantastic job with the team. And yeah, like the team has got his back. They know what to do to have his back. They also think he's a good coach. They just understand that his inability to evaluate talent unbiasedly, and by that I mean when he has these guys in the building playing for him every day, he has a tough time being like, hey, Derek, you actually don't belong in this rotation. It's not for the best of the team. I understand that personally. Um, I think it's a flaw. I think it's a big detriment to his case as a top head coach in the league. I don't think those conversations need to be had i think he can just be top 10 top whatever and and that's cool um hey by the way by the way i'm just gonna throw it out here because you mentioned it december 4th so i went back i i pushed it a little bit they are the third best record in the entire league since december 4th so since those rotation changes they are 29 and 14 only the nuggets and the bucks have a better record than them so you a, yes, you have a point, point differential. Do you have a point differential filter there? Do I have a point differential for you? They have a. They, I believe they have the second best net rating in the entire <laughs> NBA since that point. There it is. Other than the De- Denver Nuggets. So yeah, they've been. They've been like, listen, we're, we're we're moving stuff, but it it works to your advantage. I yeah, think. Larger sample size. Come yeah, on. Yeah, larger. Mm-hmm. Sa- yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. a larger sample size. It works better. Um. Honestly, I I think to your point about Tibbs, uh, the more interesting aspect of this maybe to me is the fact that he has aligned himself. Like you mentioned, he's he's focused a little bit more on what will work with this team. We see quickly having minutes. We see Grimes having minutes. Obviously, Hart working along. Um, my question for that is, I guess the the this is this is the this is the tough part here. They're the fifth best offense in the league. Okay, and what they're doing to generate that offense is interesting. Randall and Brunson, they're elite ISO scorers. They're both near the top of the league when it comes to isolation scoring. They get a lot of second chance opportunities. They're a great rebound re- rebounding team with Randall and Robinson, right? That's the that's the big one is offensive rebounding. Hart quickly Robinson. Right. Randall, Sims, Hartenstein, whoever it is, like they that's a competitive advantage that I think they've and attacked. Tibbs the- 
high and design. Tibbs is like Tibbs is like that. Like that's the type of stuff that he loves to. I mean, you go back to the Chicago Bulls. It's Joakim Noah. It's Todd Tibbs, it and it's those guys, right? Like he loves that type of stuff. Do you think though that that is a sustainable recipe? that could potentially work in the playoffs with Brunson and Randall creating off off of ISOs plus the rebounding plus the second chance opportunities. Do you think that that makes a a well-rounded playoff offense? I think well-rounded is like the right word to include in that question because I think when you talk about playoff offense, what are like the three biggest, you know, game slows down, court shrinks, um and every possession matters are like the three big taglines of like playoff environment basketball right and you know Julius Randle turnover prone every possession matters he doesn't really check that box um but the other two the iso scoring does and his shooting this season you know checks that checks those boxes Brunson uh yeah he i think checks all three of those boxes he's very much built for playoff basketball as evidenced last season in that other jersey he wore that one of us <laughs> might know about um <laughs> hey it's true hey, it's Ouch. the elephant in the room i knew it was coming at some it's point the elephant another. in the room that we got to discuss at some point but we'll get there sorry go ahead chris you're good man and uh rj barrett definitely not there i think he is someone who's going to benefit from struggling on national tv you know he's the mm. kind of person that that's the fuel that will drive him to be a great player like i'm not talking good i'm not talking pretty good or very good i'm talking great i also acknowledge that i don't think he's close to there yet uh but i've always been optimistic on bear and it's because of just how he returns to his issues if that makes sense like how he always addresses them comes back fixes them overall though the team uh it's more than just those three guys even though the three lefties are pretty much the draw of everyone's attention uh grimes quintessential piece maybe quentin central piece i should trademark that in the starting lineup um there was like beef on next Twitter the other day about who came up with phrases first so i actually have to go run and tweet that before that's hilarious funny fan base man anyway uh emmanuel quickly sixth man of the year candidate um just a couple weeks ago he was plus twenty one thousand, which is exactly what i'm talking about when i say that a lot of the people that get paid to talk basketball just like don't watch the knicks they watch these other teams which are awesome teams like you should be watching the memphis grizzlies you should be watching uh the magic you know kind of sprouting a bit like like you should be enjoying these things but you should also like just watch the games i there's so many times this season like stephen a smith was like consider you can't can't give brunson the yeah, Knicks, they, some, someone is asking someone to watch the Knicks on national television. They haven't deserved right. it. They haven't yeah, deserved hey, it for a couple right. decades, about yeah. about as long as I've been alive. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that no one cares to watch them. It's like, oh, well, they're the Knicks. Because as someone that's a Mets fan, I know that vibe very well um, <laughs> with these orange and blue teams. But when when you look at just back to how this Knicks team is built, the ground and pound, right? I think Josh Hart kind of, personify Josh Hart and Mitchell Robinson as a duo mm-hmm. kind of personify this team. Um they are going to out hustle you. Mm-hmm. They're going to out rebound you. They are going to steal and block the ball. They're going to deflect it. They're going to fill up multiple passing lanes at once. Robinson there specifically. When you take a look at and here's why I think yes this is a playoff built team to stop burying the lead. When you take a look at Brunson, Barrett, Randall, now Robinson, now quickly those two as of this season. These guys are all jacked. Josh Hart, 
These guys are all completely jacked. Like they're Big they're bodies. really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they're not tall, even if they're not long, they're very sturdy on the court. Like if you saw the play last night, it drew the ire of Boston fans, understandably. But I really wholeheartedly believe there was no malintent. Josh Hart turned the ball over running after Brown and Tatum on a fast break and just like contact with both of them, knocked them both over Brown traveled, dropped the ball out of bounds and it was Nick's ball. Like he's a wrecking ball. He is a human wrecking ball. He has many Mm -hmm. of the attributes that I admired about Deuce McBride, except he does them in a way in where he's a star at his role. And that is the point I was trying to get to the most with the lens of ground and pound physicality. Think about how everybody on the Knicks is essentially a star in their role. Brunson, his role is to set the tone, set the table, calm the pace or control the pace of the game, depending on how Randall's doing, uh, and really like not babysit Randall, but be his rock. He's Randall's rock. And Randall can go out and be who I think has been the best player on this team this season because of his recent two-way success. If he hadn't brought the defense like he has these last couple weeks, I would say it's Brunson. Randall's been there on both ends of the court. And, and when these guys like quickly can create, pass, defend quickly, six three with a six nine wingspan, he's bulky. All the NBA draft Twitter nerd, you know, ch- boxes are checked. Except he doesn't play for a team like Memphis, so you know, can't be that good, right? But um, <laughs> I st- I'm I'm now in my mentions. Like people are liking my old tweets of like, I I know I'd get killed, but I'd take quickly over like Maxi and Hero. Um, and everyone was like, you are what's wrong with basketball discourse today. Uh, and like your generation, you, the fact that you're a 20 year old saying this, like everything about this on Twitter is what's wrong with basketball today. And I'm getting people liking those tweets. Like, hey, look at you, you know, go ahead and do it for me. Um, but like when you take a look at quickly, how he's built heart, how he's built, uh, even the guys that don't play Jericho Sims, top 10 in mm-hmm. box outs per game when he plays like the Knicks have depth, all the depth matches a scheme. The scheme mm-hmm. is ground and pound physicality. The highlight of the scheme happens to be isocentric offense because of the talents of Brunson and Randall and how Thibodeau feels he can best utilize them. Thibodeau, maybe not the most ingenious, creative offensive mind, but I think the talent on this team has been good. And now the rating of their play backs it up. Like he's found a way to use this talent well. Quickly is no longer playing the 21 minutes a game that he was earlier this year. Um, I remember talking to Andrew Claudio at, at Nick's film school and I, he and I have always differed on quickly. He much lower than myself, but he was saying he should be playing like 24, 25 minutes a game. Like those four or five minutes matter a lot when it's Deuce McBride or when it's Derek Rose or when it's Evan Fournier getting the other minutes. It's not about quickly being some stud. It's about him being the best option. And now with the opportunity, he's shown that he's a stud. And the kid's a complete stud, and he has advanced the Knicks' timeline single-handedly by being the 25th draft pick and being Mm -hmm. as good as he is. They would not – it's because of players like him that I didn't think they should have made the Donovan Mitchell deal because I thought they would have a season like this. And so for quickly to come out a couple months after that, my boss at one of my jobs texted me when Donovan Mitchell had 71 and was like, how can I keep employing you? Like, you you know, you're looking bad by the day. Like these games are why these games are why, because you believe in what you've been building. You believe in your direction. The Knicks have a lot of high character guys. They have a lot of guys that can do pull up shooting. Those are the two types that Leon Rose has. Even Alec Burks 
both of those things. Kemba Walker, high character, failed attempt at getting a pull-up shooter because his knees were cooked. But every move this team makes fits those boxes, I feel like. And they're going in a direction that, to me, I'm not trying to make it a comparing thing, just like an example of a team that stars recently joined uh, and also an example of how stars aren't a perfect fix to everything. You had those 2019 D'Angelo Russell Brooklyn Nets that were a real easy first round exit for a Ben Simmons led Sixers team. Mm-hmm. Jared Dudley might have been the net of the series. I think that says a lot, right? Um, <laughs> but two superstars looked at that team and they said, this team has built a legitimate foundation to which we can add ourselves and improve what they have going on. And to me, you're looking at the young players around the league. Um, Jalen Brown, uh, maybe not long for Boston, um, as, as new and shiny as, you know, the number 35, the pickup in Phoenix is he's had his fair share of issues when he lands in new spots. And the other star there, number three is, uh, I'm not, you know, he's like, could be my dad. Right. So (laughs) I, I think that that situation, them totally wanting DeAndre Ayton around and wanting to keep him and loving mm-hmm. how that's like, that could blow up really quick. Devin 100%. Booker was represented by Leon Rose. Uh, Utah blew up really quick. Guess who was right at the front of the negotiations ended up intelligently backing off, but who was right there when people said they didn't really have a package to be the New York Knicks. Uh, there's a team in the Knicks division has two stars, one rising star that I like very much. Um, but one of those two stars is just he's a little homesick. He's he's feeling the call of Texas. <laughs> right. Right, Lauren? I mean, James, James is just it's calling back to him. And I think the other Jay over there might want to get the hell out of there. So when you look at how the Knicks have built, and the reason I've totally distracted from S's original question is because one hundred percent. I do think this team is I did. For because I do think this team is built for the playoffs. I do yeah. think they can win a first round series this year. I also think none of it matters. All house money, none of it matters. Yeah, they have all of their picks going forward. Look at the young core that they have right now. Look at their cap sheet and point to a bad deal that's expiring, like not this off season. You know, I I think yeah. that. Yeah. Or the, I'm sorry, in the 24 off season, and that 24 off season, um, Brown, a free agent. Booker and Bede signed not the super maxes, but that's when the amount of years gets down where maybe talks hat like mm-hmm. this is all lining up to where something is gonna shift, but the tectonic plates are are set, right? The Knicks have done their job behind the scenes. And if you've been paying attention to the New York beat reporting, guys like, you know, Mark Berman back when he was on the beat um, have highlighted that, you know, uh, yeah, Worldwide Wesley was talking to Beals Camp and like, you know, all these like they're always poking around. You hear them with Kat and Levine, can't see them trading for either of those guys. They're calling every day. Why? To evaluate their own players in the negotiations to get mm-hmm. other about like they're just interested in that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of have been wiggling around doing their best to advance the team as they go forward i think the team is built for the playoffs i think it will be more built for the playoffs when there is a name brand star on the roster that's when i think the expectations should really begin i think right now this is to me i said uh, i've made this comparison for the last couple weeks knicks are a lot like kings east to me people have said that in a bad way the last couple decades (laughs) now this year i think it means something good um no one wants to see them in the first round no one thinks they're winning the championship and that's a good spot to be if you've got all your picks. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, when you said, well, listen, Lauren, hold on before we go jump for in it. here. I just have to say we have we have, we have twelve questions here prepped and ready to go, and we have to throw <laughs> away half of them because <laughs> you've answered ninety nine point nine percent of these. It was a wonderful answer. Okay. It was a wonderful it's answer, okay. though. Full thought out. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to just cut up that 10 minute segment just now <laughs> and let it rock. That was incredible. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. Lauren, go ahead. Do your thing. Let's cook. No, what I mean, it, it's incredible because I do. I mean, I'm will. I can't refer to them as Kings East because I think that this year they have earned uh, the recognition that they're getting. But I think it's so fascinating kind of coming into this season, looking back a little bit to to the beginning of the season and the questions around the Knicks. Um, I would see questions online about is, you know, going all in for the Donovan Mitchell and we don't need to rehash that whole conversation, but like the identity of this group is the right direction going with the youth movement or kind of going all in now because we do believe Jalen Brunson is that all-star and just the questions continuing to surround the Knicks. And then you've got Tibbs in there who I said at one point, I was like, I don't know that I have a whole lot of faith in Tibbs. I don't know that he's going to be willing to make the adjustment. And that was, you know, my outer perspective. And and he has proven that wrong. And so what I find to be so intriguing about this team is how they've all kind of come together and rallied around it. And they, like you said, everybody playing their role and playing, uh, being a star in their role is not something that just grows on trees, especially in today's NBA. And then you add the addition of Josh Hart. And it just seems like, like you said, you're poking your head around on the trade market. You're kind of pursuing all fronts while still improving and developing internally. And you're just setting your, you're setting the foundation, like you mentioned. And I think that the Knicks are in a, a really, really great spot as much as it pains me to say uh, as, as, as a Mavs, as a Mavs person, but as I'm watching this team, I do have a question lately. Um, with the defense taking a bit of a dip, they're 18th since January 1st. They're now 14th overall, uh, but they don't give a ton up at the rim. You mentioned earlier Jericho Sims with the box outs, Mitchell Robinson and his activity, even Hartenstein to a, to a degree, uh, but they do give up a lot of threes, and opponents are shooting 40% against them on those threes. Um, is that something that you maybe see being like a temporary issue, or is that where are you at? How do you feel about the defense as a whole, and how much do you trust them? Yeah, Mitchell Robinson had that surgery in like mid-January on the thumb. Um, and the Knicks were like 9-6 and six in that span when he was out. So that's that's cool that they were able to have such a strong culture and foundation that they could put someone as inexperienced as Sims, slide him into that starting lineup and kind of mm -hmm. get similar enough production to pretty much simulate a Mitch and have the other guys do a little bit more digging and and. Uh, find that will to just replicate the overall defensive production. But the, the truth of the matter is Sims is 6'8", 6'9". That's why he does the dunk contest. It's, uh, you know, it, he's not a seven-footer. He's not a 6'11er. Um, Mitchell Robinson is seven feet tall and very much plays like it. If you saw last night, you know, took Derek White off the dribble and finished at the cup. That's a new one. <laughs> Showed that once last season. Um, and now we've gotten two of those this season. And it's like... Those little wrinkles, those little additions, um, I think really, like, Robinson is big for this team. And what he does allows the other guys' jobs to change. So, like, that's the way I wanted to put it. So, like, last season you had Walker and Fournier funneling guys to the paint really easily for Robinson to take care of. Robinson was having, like, the worst, you know, physicality year of his career. 
and it was all just a really bad combination. Didn't have a good season um, when he was playing. But this season, he's been stellar in his role. Like I've been was saying about quickly about Hart, about Brunson, Grimes. Like Robinson's been stellar in his role. I think the only guy you can argue that's not been a star in his role, only guys you can argue have not been stars in their role, are R.J. Barrett, who gets the ball a lot, does not have the efficiency to justify it if the Knicks were a contending team today. Mm -hmm. But they're not. They're one investing in their youth. And so it makes sense that R.J. Barrett's not a star in his role and getting the minutes that he is. He should continue to get those minutes and continue to get that usage. Other guys, Obi Toppin, same thing. High pick in the draft. Hasn't really been given a fair shake to start off. He, no one in the Knicks organization thought they were drafting a Julius Randle backup. Uh, but that's how good Randle ended up being. So the two guys that aren't stars in their roles are recent draft picks or close to recent draft picks that are either working through issues or going to get to the point where soon they're developmentally far enough to have those issues to have to work through because they haven't really expanded their games that far yet in the case of Toppin. Um, and everyone else like is buying in and that's super big to me because defensively Brunson is not good. Lauren, you know, this, you know, you watch Brunson for a long time. He's not some stud defensively, but he's also not a sieve. Like he doesn't, mm -mm lose you a series on that end of the court, especially right. if, you know, the Knicks have a, a rim protector like the Mavericks kind of never did in Robinson. Amen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't know where Lauren stands on, on Brunson. I think, um, I mean, actually, Lauren, if if you do have an opinion on the, the Brunson yeah. front when it comes to defense. Yeah, definitely. The thing about Brunson is while he's not, he's deceivingly quick, which I think many people are seeing, especially now that he's playing in Madison Square Garden. People are seeing mm -hmm. that a lot more. Uh, but he has a knack for where the ball is going to be. A lot of times he knows where, with his hands, where to either go in there and get the strip. But the biggest thing that he's really good at is forcing the turnovers when it comes to just stepping in at that last minute, taking the charge. Um, and he's just, he's got a really great feel for the game that to me makes up for the fact that he is a little bit undersized. The quick feet and the overall just knowing where to be is where he can at least kind of make up that advantage. And I agree with the statement that, um, uh, his size or his his defensive lack is not enough to uh, lose you a series, especially when you take into consideration his ability to sort of force turnovers and and be in the right spots. Uh, I think it. I think it's. I think he's he does enough to offset that uh, to not be a total liability on defense. I think that that statement is always going to be overblown, but that's just the name of the game. I will say also um, the name of the game with with Brunson and his impact on this team is just how much he's and, and it's not creating in the sense of like, oh, I am a playmaker. I'm going to be creating for others. It's the fact that he puts so much pressure on the defense by being this score. I, I made a video about it. Screw it. I'm a plug it. Go check it out on the SDPN website. It, it's it's literally about Brunson being this score, putting pressure on defenses and then that way creating for his teammates because the more attention that comes on Brunson, the better it is for his teammates, the better it is for guys like RJ Barrett, Quincy Grimes, etc. I guess my my overall thought is, do you ever feel like the Knicks are too reliant on a guy like Brunson or even to a certain extent Randall? And do you feel like that might end up being an issue come playoff time for this team? The Knicks were too reliant on Julius Randall for his first three years on the team. Um, yeah. 
That's that's the way to put it. I think Jalen Brunson is the answer to a question like that, not the question itself. You had Randall putting up now last year you heard a lot, oh Randall, 2010 and 5, 2010 and 5, 2010 and 5. And the Knicks just kept piling up losses. He kept piling up bad defensive efforts, bad, you know, mentality showings. Like 2010 and 5 was not cutting it. It was bad. This season, he's playing the best basketball of his career. Um, and having Brunson has allowed him to put more energy towards defense. I think he was really good on on-ball defense in the 2021 All-NBA season for him. He regressed unbelievably last season, and I believed that it wasn't just because he was a jerk. Like, that wasn't my answer to that. My answer wasn't, oh, well, he's not trying because he hates us, the fans. Right, like, right, that's yeah. that's what the fans were saying. I wasn't saying, oh, he's not trying because he hates them, the fans. I was saying, I think he doesn't have the energy to move on that end of the court because he is the offense. Um, he should never be anyone's offense. That's bad. So let's stop doing that if we're the Knicks. And they right. did. They went out two years before, tried to get Chris Paul, went out last year, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul. You know, like they've tr been trying to get this guard to take the ball out of Randall's hands to hold them over until they could get Brunson. Brother, the Knicks have been trying to get a point guard for like since yeah. before I was born. Yeah. Um, and specifically, <laughs> they've been trying to get one for Julius all four of his years as a Nick. And yeah. in every offseason, they targeted one. And now, you know, they knew they were getting Brunson down the line. Or they felt confident in it to the point where they kind of lined everything up with it. And, you know, it happened. So uh, tampering charge included. And, and now Randall is a guy who has more energy on the defensive end of the court. I'm holding up um, a stat I prepared for this here podcast because I figured <laughs> this would I come up. It. The Coast to Coast NBA pod says that in the top three this season um, of you know like best defense wise, meaning worst ISO field goal percentage, based on you know the based on the opponent field goal percentage, the best ISO defenders number one OG Ananobi. No surprise there. Yep, this podcast knows those abilities of his. Yep, number two. Won't like this one as much. My guy, Evan Mobley. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, hey, listen, I, Evan Mobley has a fan in me. Nah, don't worry about it. I, I don't like you don't listen to the to the Knicks fandom Twitterverse as much as you might. I don't also. So go ahead. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, tied for number four, Andrew Wiggins with Paolo Boncaro. But before those two, nice. Julius Randle at number three. So obviously the stat, not. A million times reliable, but like number yeah. six is Rudy Gobert. Tied for seven is Garuba and Jaden McDaniels. I, mm -hmm. I don't think Randall's in particularly bad company there. Um, yeah, I think he's locked think in on that. Of, to, to your point, I think those type of stats are good when you watch the game and you're like, okay, what am I watching here? Let me find this good, comfy stat that kind of reaffirms what I believe or what I see. Those type of stats are good for it. And shout out to Coast to Coast. He's a guy that I've been on the podcast. Shout out to him. Um, Lauren, I guess for you, because I, I know, and I guess let's just address the, the elephant in the room here is the Jalen Brunson thing and, and him obviously mm -hmm. going to New York. Do you now being in the position of having Kyrie Irving, having, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Why'd you laugh, bro? I hate this start already. <laughs> this is awful. Well, well look, oh, I, I'm just saying, look, now you're in a position where uh, I think, 
you know, the Kyrie situation, the trade more so, yeah. was sort of a reaction to not retaining Jalen Brunson this summer. Mm-hmm. So I guess from your perspective, from a Mavericks perspective, how do you dissect or digest everything that has transpired over the past, I don't know, 12 months, if you will, yeah. of, you know, Brunson going to the Knicks, Kyrie coming to the Mavs, just mm-hmm. all New York related point guard stuff. What do you, What do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, with Brunson specifically, obviously we've all we all saw how it went down, and um, I think when you're talking about a point guard that you know exactly what he's gonna bring to the table, but it's about what makes him so much better is what he brings off of the court, the leadership style. How Chris was talking earlier about how he's the rock for Randall and how his role or his job is to to keep things calm. That sort of presence and just headspace and leadership style is because yeah don't get me wrong it's dallas it's lucas team but having that kind of leader in the locker room that value cannot be understated and not like it's or can't be overstated excuse me and so it just it's uh you to me it's apples and oranges when you're talking about trying to think about maybe bringing in someone like Kyrie Irving for the home run swing, even if it's for a year, whatever the case may be, whether it be Dallas or even at some point in the past when New York even entertained it. But when you're taking the gamble versus when you're looking at someone like Jalen Brunson, who year after year, ever since he he entered the league has given you reason and shown you that he can improve and develop and improve areas of his game that people doubted him on. Those are the players that you invest in, and those are the players that you 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 can't just overlook. You have to be able to reasonably project value. And in this today's NBA, I this is something that I feel very strongly about, especially when it comes to roster construction, is that things change. We continue to see it year after year. Things change in this league on a dime. I mean, and we're seeing it right now in mm-hmm. in the news that's that's pumping out daily. So when you have Lauren, someone like you would go have. For it. What? Go for you it. You would have hated the discourse on Nick's Twitter this summer. Uh, you know, we can't, we can't, the, 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 the fan discourse was like, we cannot, as a team, pass up on DeJounte Murray because stars do not become available often in this league. Three oh, days that's later, just ridiculous. Oh, that's just ridiculous. Three, three yeah. days later, Kevin Durant became available. <laughs> and they were like, well, listen. That's not what we were talking about. <laughs> we cannot pass on DeJounte Murray as a team because 25-year-old all-star guards do not become available often in this league. And then Donovan Mitchell became available <laughs> one week after that. And it's uh, like, the league you, you is going to keep passing you by if you're not going to keep up with them. Like, this is how this goes. When I yeah. grew up a fan of the NBA, mm-hmm. there used to be like, the 2013 versus the 2016 image of Blake, Mello, CP, Braun. And it was like, wow, they're all on a different team from last time. If you made one of those today, it would be the average average of different teams played for by these players was 3.2 in the time from the first to the second picture. Like, this is how this goes now. It's very, very different. Right, which is why I think there's so much value in in, in someone like Jalen Brunson, right? And there, don't get me wrong, there are other guys out there in the league like this. I think Tyrese Halliburton is probably the best example that comes to mind. But when you've got someone like Jalen Brunson, when you can identify the qualities of a good leader, um, somebody that 
I mean, you can never predict loyalty, but somebody that you can just tell as is is going to be a great addition for your locker room while also is a good system fit and is going to be complementary to the pieces that you have, the Julius Randle, the RJ Barrett, especially in the short term and long term. To me, that's almost invaluable. And so yeah, when when you're talking about the Kyrie situation, whether it be in Dallas and how they've kind of scrambled and are still scrambling to recover from losing someone like Jalen Brunson, I think Dallas taking such a dramatic swing for someone like Kyrie shows you alone the value that Jalen Brunson has in terms of just being a good leader and how much that hurts when you just take something like that and remove it from the locker room. Because Dallas was, I mean, going into this season, it was like, okay, you don't have Jalen Brunson, but you have Tim Hardaway coming back. You have Christian Wood, you have XYZ that are going to be able to fill that points gap that Jalen Brunson brought because he's not necessarily known for his defense. But we all knew that that was a load of crap and that what Jalen Brunson brings to your team is something that you can't just replace. And so for the Knicks, I think we when you talk about their foundation and especially as we're nearing the playoffs and they're getting ready to get this experience, this continue to build experience and develop these young guys, uh, Emmanuel quickly, like just top and even Josh Hart, like all these guys that they've got, I think it's going to be instrumental to their development, their growth. And again, both the short and long term. Hey, Chris, let me ask you this. Okay. So we I'll, I'll go through a couple of the players. You just tell me flat out. Yes or no. If they're going to be on the team in the next two years, okay. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Julius Randle is he on the team in two seasons? Two seasons, meaning we're in the middle of 22, 23, so 23, 24, 24. Oh, see, that's a good one. Um, I think the twenty twenty four to twenty twenty five NBA season is the first season that the Knicks will like have the stars on their roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the twenty four off season is when that stuff gets done right um so i'm gonna i'm gonna go yes for randall for two years but if it were three maybe a year into the first year of things it didn't work out great with him they kind of move off two years from now i'm gonna go yes and to start this year i would have gone no but i would have said he would have been here for the rest of this season most people would have. I just, he's good. I thought he'd be. So good. the answer is I didn't no. Think he'd be this good. The answer is yes. He'll be here in two years because okay. of his play this season. Because of his okay. play this season. Okay, that's fair enough. R.J. Barrett is he here in two to four two two years two years no no quick shake of the head absolutely not okay no hesitation. Quentin Grimes is he here in two seasons? Quentin Grimes yes yes yeah he's here okay interesting we'll get to that in a sec. Emmanuel quickly is he here in two seasons? The answer was no before this season. The answer is yes now. Nice. Okay. Uh, and I guess just to well, th- this is this is the guy who decision is going to be coming up this summer. But I guess just to clarify, Josh Hart. Yes. Yes. Oh, who I, are you? Who are you? Sh- who are you shaking your head? If at it there? was Obi Toppin, I was going to say no. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, Josh Hart. Josh Hart. They traded the first for. They're going to have to. They're yeah. going to. Yeah. Especially the connection to Jalen Brunson and, you know, all that. Yeah. I think it's sense. less of a they're going to have to and more of a heart's going to want a number that they're probably going to be willing to pay and that'll be it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay. I'm interested. I'm I'm very curious to see what happens to the Knicks. Obviously, them being the New York Knickerbockers, there will always be the discussions of where the, whether they should trade for a star, or whether they should do this, do that, what kind of moves they should make. I love the approach they've taken so far. I think you're in the same boat here. I, I love the the patient approach, the fact that they've kind of 
d done this in a way that feels natural to development. Adding a guy like Jalen Brunson gives you a bedrock, something to be sustainable and, and moving forward with. I'm at, I honestly, I would I would go out on a limb here and say maybe Jalen Brunson is like a Knicks lifer. Like I, I could see him ending. We'll see though. That That's, again, in today's NBA, that's a lot to ask. Finish it off. It is. Sorry. Go it ahead. is, and yeah. I think that if, if you see, you know, for example, if 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 Rose's tenure with the Knicks ends, but he goes somewhere else, um, whatever, that could be like, oh, you know, Leon Rose was who signed. You, you see, you know, those Woj tweets. You know, this yeah, exec yeah. was who signed this player or drafted this player back for this team, so they're heavily interested in reuniting with them and their new. That could be one of those things. So maybe maybe not, but. If I had to guess, Jalen Brunson would be a Nick for the rest of his career as like the rest of his prime years, at least. Okay. I got you. If, if we've Final, if we've be, if we've began those. Right. Yeah, yeah. Final he's he's 26. He's got a little bit to go. Final thoughts on the playoff race that is gonna be happening soon. You're you guys are 39 and 27, fifth in the east, like I mentioned earlier, potentially climbing up that ladder. You guys are only one game back of the Cavs. Um, I'll just go next to the team and you just tell me yes or no. Do you feel comfortable in them beating uh, the Knicks beating them in a series? Boston. We just saw them last night. Do you think th they, the Knicks have a chance? No. I, okay. Yes, I think they have a chance. I'm not comfortable in it. Okay. But, but overall, uh, if that was simulated a hundred times, I would pick Boston. If you asked me as an, as an NBA analyst to pick a winner of that series, I'm clicking BOS. Um, okay. And that's that Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, Philadelphia. This is to me the litmus test. If mm. based on how Harden and Embiid are officiated in the playoffs and based on if the Nick team is for real and brings it, this could go either way to me. I will lean Philadelphia cause they are the team with the two, stars or right. recognized all world talents. Um, but the Knicks do have two all-star talents and mm -hmm. that would be a really fun series, especially because I love that McDaniels acquisition for them. Yeah. I, I, I like that too. Okay. This is the, this is the matchup you guys probably will end up facing in the first round. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. How do you feel in that matchup uh, and knowing all the Donovan Mitchell stuff that we just talked about? So, so I was yeah. going to say Vince McMahon couldn't, have come up with you know a better script than than <laughs> the Knicks Cavs first round playoffs like that is the most WWE fake like that like for all the NBA is scripted conspiracy theorists yeah. out there yeah, yeah. like start hammering this point like start <laughs> this is your you know like the, this is your thing the 2019 lottery and this now are like your two really big the <laughs> the Knicks getting Donovan Mitchell in the first round of the playoffs would be. Very fun to cover um, as a basketball fan. I would have the ground and pound New York Knicks coming out on top in that series against a team who is more talented than them. But because they have not yet found that I like identity to lean back on, has struggled in volatile and hard environments like Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. with having Garland and Mitchell lead them to wins. I think they're 0-2 in the Garden this season. I think Mitchell's combined shooting numbers in those two games are as ugly as I'm making them out to be. And the Knicks held the Cavaliers under 90 points both times. Right. Yeah. I was I was actually in Cleveland 
while they were playing the Knicks in Madison Square Garden, and it was it was not fun. I, I, a lot of people at the bar were not very happy with that performance. So I I, <laughs> I feel you. I hear you. Um, either way, I am very very excited to watch how these New York Knickerbockers shake out the season, shake out the next couple of seasons, where they look, what they look like. Honestly, I mentioned those names because I'm curious to see what kind of you know. What's the temperature check on some of those guys? Uh, but Chris, anything you're working on, anything you've got coming up that you want to plug, go for it. Do you think? Yeah, I would say um, don't try to spell my last name. Just click the link that they'll drop to my Twitter. Uh, you can throw me a follow there. I cover the New York Knickerbockers, the NBA at large, and also a little bit of Fordham basketball. Uh, just, nice. you know, A-10 tournament coming up this week. Um, tune in, support the Fordham Rams. I have no, you know, affiliation there, just the school I go to. And it's a really good basketball story. And I, as you know, knowing I'm talking to you two, knowing who's listening to this pod, I think you guys would admire the basketball story that is this year's Fordham Rams. Um, oh yeah. And aside from that, just stay tuned to my page for NBA draft stuff, because this summer will mark the return of the draft class podcast we will be back we will be analyzing the prospects the many lovely prospects may i add in the 2023 nba draft which the knicks may or may not select any of right yeah yeah. like they did last year when some crazy madman spent 12 weeks researching for dozens of hours a week on a draft class that the (laughs) knicks ended up looking at and saying yeah, we're going to take a guy who was actually today let go from the team. So <laughs> I'm really hoping they draft someone for my sanity. <laughs> you should too. Um, check out draft class. It's under Nick's film school, a great, great outlet and place to work and check out WFUV sports by the students of Fordham university for the New York sports world and the sports world in general. Nice. Check us out there as well. I love it. Uh, Lorem, anything to to say before we head out? I am excited to see what happens with this Knicks team. I think they're one of the most fascinating groups in the league. Uh, And again, I keep saying the short term and the long term. And I think one of the teams that you can kind of bank on in the long term being a big player for the time moving forward is the New York Knicks. So we will see. We will see. I think it's funny. You You have Zion. Ja and RJ, the top three picks in the 2019 draft. If you ask 30 NBA GMs today who the three biggest players will be in the next star trade, I think the Pelicans, Grizzlies, and Knicks are names that come up like a lot in those conversations. So we're kind of watching the cycle play out. Let's see. Let's see how, you know, cycle number two goes. It'll be cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, when you think of, when you think of, Star packages, Pelicans, OKC, New York, Memphis, they are maybe even Orlando in a couple of years. Those are the teams to look for to make splashes. We'll see if they end up doing it. We'll see what happens. Who knows? New York obviously has the advantage here of being beautiful New York City. If you've never gone, go. Angelo's Pizza in Brooklyn is fire. It's really, really close to Barclays Center. I don't know if you've tried it, Chris, but it's freaking fire. It's phenomenal. Um, Anyways... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us here at the Objective Basketball Podcast. We appreciate you, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gunn on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.